Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host Mitch Michaels. And today's episode is going to be a very, very good one. It's the 50th episode of the series. A lot to talk about today. NFL Conference Championship Weekend with Tom Weisenbach. We look at both games, Falcons Packers, Patriots Steelers, the news on the coaching scene, some relocation talk as well. And then I'm going to talk to Joe Casali about the National Hockey League. Hockey, my favorite sport, we're in January. It's starting to shape up. More than half the season is gone. We'll look at who's atop the Eastern and Western Conferences, who needs to make a move, what's plaguing certain teams. We'll look into a little bit of the All-Star Game as well. Money Mitch Effect, Episode 5-0, Football and Hockey. I'm ready, you ready? Yeah, let's do this. All right, welcome back to the Money Mitch Effect. Episode 50, hard to believe we're just trucking right along. And with that, bringing back on the show, reoccurring guest, Tom Weisenbach. Tom, thanks for joining the program. No problem, Mitch. Thanks for having me again. We're going to talk NFL, AFC, NFC Championship weekend. There's only three football games left. It's pretty scary to think that the season's just about over. Before we get into the game previews, Tom, I do want to talk about another topic, and that's the unfortunate side of football is relocating. Now the Raiders are filing paperwork to move to Vegas. The Chargers showed up in L.A. overnight. And we're both football fans, but the idea of relocating, I'm never, I've never really been a fan of it. I understand the business side of it, but I think at the end of the day, you got to feel for a lot of these markets that just don't have, or, or in Oakland's case, might not have football going forward. Yes, there are uh, always Oakland fans that are going to be upset, but... There's Oakland fans here in L.A. where they relocated. This is, is not new for the, the Raiders franchise. Uh, Chargers fans, I believe, have probably the biggest gripe with their, their move. Apparent, uh, you know, the financial side of things would have worked in, in San Diego had the ownership group there decided that they would want to move along in San Diego. I don't have a whole lot of sympathy. I know there is a lot of difference between the San Diego mindset and the Los Angeles mindset and how those fan bases don't necessarily connect. But to me, it's just two hours up the road that you're moving. You know, if, if the Eagles were to move to, like, Allentown or Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, in the yeah. middle of nowhere, it would stink, but it would still be just an extra two-hour ride in the same geographical location. The Raiders uh-huh. uh, and the Rams fans have probably the biggest gripe. Yeah, I mean, I think with the Chargers, not so much the distance. It's, it's L.A. It's a different market. It's the mega market. It's what I think, you know, being out here, I think it's what San Diego doesn't want to be, doesn't want to identify with. And the fact that Dean Spanos, the owner, would not pay for a new stadium, wanted to dump it on taxpayers, and finally they just said enough is enough, and they wanted you know their own stadium. St. Louis the same way. Oakland's a little different, especially when you get into the Bay Area specifics with San Francisco and with the fact that they do either are Raider fans in L.A. They have moved around a bit, but it will be weird to see a team in Las Vegas. Two now, two professional sports teams in the next five years in Las Vegas is going to be. An interesting set of circumstances is going to make for quite a few interesting road trips, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the issue's already come up with a couple of teams, the Redskins and the, and the Eagles, as an example, that will, because of the Chargers relocation, have to play in Los Angeles twice this year. And there's talk of scheduling them back-to-back and allowing them to, these are both road games, have to like stay in L.A. for the entire week. Or yeah. It's already talk. There's already talk about that. So, yeah, inst- interesting road trips abound, by, especially AFT West. 
Yeah, Vegas, <laughs> LA, and then yeah. Kansas City. We'll see what the home advantage is of that. But yeah, that's a good point. I mean, all those cross-country flights, and the, for the NFL, that has even tossed around the idea of London. You know, we're really getting to a point now where I think what I've noticed is relocation. It's real. I mean, it was almost like a fantasy for the last 20 years. You can relocate, but no one really did it since, unfortunately, the Browns went to Baltimore. So now after the Rams kind of opened the floodgates, it's back to being a real thing. And as fan bases, I think it's a little more nerve-wracking. When your team doesn't have a stadium deal, I think the pressure's going to be there. Well, we, we better get this done because now we know that we can relocate. Yeah, definitely, because I mean, if things are globalizing and, and markets are going to be there with the Internet, you can follow your team or pick your players and decide who you're going to root for. And it's, I think, getting more towards the fantasy way of things where individual players and brands matter mm-hmm. and the uh, teams are going to go wherever the ownership believes that they'll make the most money. Right. And one other thing before we get to the game previews this weekend with Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch Effect, most, just practically all, but I'll say most, of the NFL head coaching vacancies vacancies are filled. San Francisco is the last one, but we're hearing that they're going to hire Kyle Shanahan after the Falcons season ends, whenever that is. So now that the head coaching vacancies are done, Tom, I'll ask you this question. Has anything surprised you? Was there a, a higher or maybe a non-hire decision that surprised you about what's happened with the six head coaching vacancies? Uh, I would say the hiring of the Chargers' new coach, number one. Lynn, who was promoted internally this season from running back coach to offensive coordinator and then making a leap all in the same season to head coach with the Bills and then now with the Chargers. That was a surprise. I think the the youngest head coach in NFL history is also a surprise being in that age group, wondering with the rest of the 30-something, you know, twenties, late yeah. 20s to 30-somethings going, what did I do wrong? How could <laughs> I get in there? What did I do wrong with this life thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Sean McVay is very fascinating because 30 years old, obviously he's done some good things with the Redskins, although... I mean, I don't want to open old wounds, but I always feel like he, he kind of got that job starting in week 16 last year against you guys and the Eagles with what Kirk Cousins has been able to do. How is he going to be able to command respect in a veteran locker room with a lot of players older than him? That's going to be interesting. But the Lynn thing, I keep going back to that because I agree with you there as well. He was promoted internally, made all those leaps, and yet he's a head coach but not in Buffalo. You got the sense when they fired Rex going into week 17 that they were going to groom this guy that they were really high on. Yet either they weren't willing to pull the trigger right away, or he just said, and it's hard to blame him, I'm going to look out for myself. I see a job. San Diego wants me now. I'm going to take it. I always think it's interesting. San Diego wants me now. Los Angeles wants me later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's funny because he interviewed for a job in San Diego. He got hired by football to coach a football team in L.A. So. And you saw his press conference where he made the Freudian slip. Day one, I think it's sentence one. <laughs> I think it's understandable. Absolutely, I mean, you know. But you know, Kyle Shanahan going to San Francisco. I think it's time for him to get his opportunity as a head coach. He's done great things in Atlanta this year. He's been a great coordinator. And you have the elephant in the room: Is his dad going to be involved? Is Mike Shanahan going to be involved there? Only way to go, but up in San Francisco. Although you got to wonder if the York family is going to butt in and make life difficult there. And then Jacksonville, you know, hiring Doug Marone. I think. It's not the worst thing they could have done. It's not the biggest splash, but he wasn't terrible at Buffalo. He knows the system. 
We'll see. Well, the, the jury's out on that one. Uh, and, you know, you look at the Denver situation with Vance Joseph. Another interesting hire. The Dolphins' defense actually had a pretty good year. It sounds like a weird hire, Tom, but when you look at the stats and what he's been able to do, I think there's some promise there. Yeah, I would like to go back to the Jacksonville hire. I think the biggest story out of Jacksonville was the Tom Coughlin bringing him back in right. into the front office. Kind of go back to your roots as a franchise be able to evaluate talent through Tom Coughlin's eyes, who has had a big part in that franchise through the Mark Brunel years and, uh, what is it, Fred Taylor yeah, in the backfield. <laughs> so even Matt Jones, right, the uh, right. Dark, the one hand, the original flesh. one-handed catcher. The original combine, uh, rising up the combine guy and then not really panning out, but yeah. But he has Super Bowl experience. He knows what it takes. He knows what's nest- what's needed culture-wise in that franchise, and I think Doug Marone is a, a similar old-school football-type guy who can get things done there. Right. I think there's some fascinating hires. You do wonder, though, with Coughlin, is he going to be fine just being upstairs? Is he going to be fine just sitting it out and, and giving orders at the top? I don't know. I mean, I think it, it's something to consider, but you know, New Orleans decided to stick it out with Sean Payton, and there's some coaching changes there. I think it's going to be exciting to see going forward, how this works, and starting with the draft. I mean, this is where the audition, when the job verse becomes real, starting to pick players, something to watch. Did you hear about the Texans head coaching shakeup? Not necessarily head coaching shakeup. Right, Bill O'Brien calling plays next year. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, well, yeah, Romeo Cornell becoming the assistant head coach, (laughs) Mike Vrabel becoming the defensive coordinator. I think they're trying to groom Vrabel to be a head, yeah, head coach. coach. And knowing that Romeo Cornell is kind of set in his ways as he's also He's also like the oldest, he was like the oldest coordinator last year. You know, I mean, I don't know how much coaching he has left. Right, so I think they're throwing a bone to Mike Vrabel to kind of beef his resume up. I know the Eagles did the same thing with uh, John Harbaugh, longtime special teams coach with the team, wouldn't have been taken seriously as a head coaching candidate. They made him a D-backs coach for one year, and then he got the Ravens job. So it makes him actually a uh, viable option. It's definitely one to consider going forward if Mike Vrabel is going to be a defensive coordinator, if he's going to be more than that. But Bill O'Brien's a good coach. I mean, he can win games in the NFL. I was kind of stunned to ever read those reports that he might be on the way out. Was that his choice? Was that the team leaking that? I don't know, but I think he can coach the NFL, and it's hard to win games at that level, and he's shown that at least he can do that. At a high level. Yeah, that defense just looks elite, even without J.J. Watt uh, continuing to imagine Clowney and J.J. Watt playing sure. at the high at the the high level they're capable of together has yet to happen. It's almost like for for me as a Sixers fan trying to still wait for Simmons and Embiid to come back and, uh, yeah, after the and play together. Right? Almost, we're almost there, but uh, I digress. Yeah, well, 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 <laughs> they need a quarterback. If, That's the bottom line. If it's Romo, I mean, if Romo was on this year's team, who knows how far they could go? Just something to consider. My issue with Romo is that he's just not going to stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's why I think it's true that there's going to be a uh, trade, or I think there is truth to the fact there could be a trade for Romo wherever he goes that's incentive-based, that's performance-based, where the picks are basically determined by how much he plays and you know, not so much how well he plays. So That would be a smart deal. Yeah, I think so for both teams involved. All right, Tom Weisenbach, Money Mitch Effect. Let's preview this weekend's games, the AFC-NFC Championship games. Two good ones. Should be fun to watch, even if you're not a fan of all the teams involved, even if you might be tired of seeing the same familiar faces. They've earned it, and we'll start with the AFC, Tom, and, and that's what I was alluding to, Patriots-Steelers. It's 
On one hand, as a rooting fan, it pains me to see this game, but as a true football fan, I, I can't help but be excited about these two teams facing off. The game's in Foxborough. There has been much movement on the point spread. It's going to be Patriots by six. And Tom, New England to not menace words, did not play that great last week. I know they won by 18, but they got a couple gifts from a very bad quarterback and an ineffective offense. What do they have to do differently? Where's the biggest area you see them having to play better in order to make the Super Bowl? Well, I think they played against a really good defense. We were just uh, talking about the Texans' pass rush, and, and they got home to, to Tom Brady, but the pass rush is going to be the same with Bud Dupree and James Harrison coming at you yeah. uh, on, on the Pittsburgh Steelers' end. But, uh, yeah, I think the offensive line just needs to sure up. I think they could admit to you that that was not their best game, that that was probably one of their worst games playing, uh, either in the playoffs or throughout the regular season. That's the main thing that they're going to have to shore up. But you know Tom Brady's going to be Tom Brady, and, and they are playing without Gronk. They have most of the year. Their running back weapons are healthy, and together they're playing Deion Lewis. Yeah, what an X factor. Kickoff return. Yeah, he's, touchdown. he's been amazing at the hat trick last week, receiving, rushing, and kick return. The line, it, it's true. Their line has not been great all year. They've had some moving pieces. Texans' pass rush is second to none. Pittsburgh's good, but not as good. But they got to give Brady time. He got roughed up a little bit last week. It was kind of startling to see him actually take a couple hits. That's one area for sure. I want you to see, too, uh, their receivers. You know, Edelman, is. are we going to see Floyd again? What's Malcolm Mitchell's status? Are they able to get separation? And, you know, the Pittsburgh secondary, not the best in the league, has been gashed this year. You do have questions with that Patriot offense, though, with the playmakers there. And I'm interested to see Martellus Bennett. I mean, Gronk's out. Obviously, there is no Gronk in the NFL. But Bennett's not a bad tight end. And this is kind of one of the best, I think, insurance policies that the Patriots have have had in their run is signing this tight end who could pay huge dividends in this game. Yeah, absolutely. You go back to the years of, of... A non-convicted Aaron Hernandez in that offense, and the ceiling that that offense could do with two elite tight ends, and Martellus Bennett is a number one tight end, whereas Aaron Hernandez was maybe one and a half, yeah, one <laughs> yeah. B. He wasn't a you know maybe you can even flat out call Hernandez what he was a number two, and Martellus carried the Chicago Bears at that position for a few years. He's mm-hmm. a veteran presence in that locker room. He just wants to win a championship at this at this level in his career. And knowing that Gronk was injury-prone, similar to what we were just talking about with Tony Romo, is that you're going to need to make a smart deal, smart roster decisions in order to ensure your perennial success. Martellus Bennett has the opportunity to be Tom Brady's safety blanket. You know Julian Edelman is. If the Steelers decide to take him away, you got a big body there, especially in the red zone, that can make things happen. Yeah, and especially in a game like this, cold weather, it might not be as many big plays. I could see New England going the methodical route. We want to put together long drives and not take too many chances. This could be big for Bennett. I do, though, think, Tom, that as much as that's a big matchup, I feel like the game is going to be decided on the other side of the ball when you have that Pittsburgh offense on the road against the New England defense. That battle, to me... Maybe more so than any individual matchup the entire weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing can New England's defense stop and stifle a Pittsburgh offense that has the potential to be as explosive as anyone. Yeah, you said it. The the one thing we I thought that the Cowboys did wrong against 
the Packers. Not run Zeke. Not run Zeke. But in order to beat great offensive teams, you have to run the ball. What has Le'Veon Bell done the last two weeks? Only, you know, ho-hum. Two games set the postseason record for rushing yards. You see that stretch in the last eight games? He has like 1,200 yards rushing. It's the best stretch of his career. It's Hall of Fame-worthy stretch. Like, Emmitt Smith never even came close to a stretch like that. And to kind of go off your point, when they get a lead... He gets better. They just start feeding the feeding the rock to the big guy. I saw and, the, um, it's amazing. Saw the mic'd up of Mike Tomlin on the sideline on uh, Inside the NFL last night, and and you ha- see a cut of Mike Tomlin on the sidelines talking to Todd Haley, just saying, "Run it again, just <laughs> run it again," because that's that's all it needs. That's how that's how they're going to be successful. Is they're going to go as far as Le'Veon takes them. And oh, by the way. If they decide to stack the box up, you get one-on-one coverage on one of the best wide receivers in the league right. when he's not on his cell phone. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about that for a second because I, I was. It is both to steal a phrase from a friend. It's both amazing and sad that that happened. That he live streamed a Facebook video of a locker room speech. I mean, come on. Like you're in the locker room. That's your team, and that's your first reaction is to take your phone out for 15 minutes. This isn't just like a Snapchat, a 10-second video. There was guys dancing, changing, getting involved, and he's filming his coach and his quarterback. But let's just say this. If it's not Antonio Brown, I think the punishment might be a lot more strict going into this game if it wasn't the best receiver on his team and maybe in all football. Yes. Uh, and Mike Tomlin even said so at the press conference that he's not going to suspend Brown for any time of the game because that would hurt the football team. He probably got a stern talking to, however, and so, yeah. either by the PR people or by the head coach himself or by both. Uh, it's I also had, illegal, too. I mean, you can't, you, 90 minutes before, I believe, social media, you have to be silent, and then until the media comes in the locker room. So that's, I mean, that goes against the NFL rules as well. Yeah, and I've seen, for example, when the Eagles won the NFC, champ, uh, not the NFC Championship game, but uh, the division in 2012 uh, under Chip Kelly for the, his first year. There was a lot of picture taking in the in the locker room, but there were there was no such thing as a Facebook Live at the time, obviously. But that's what players do. They want to celebrate. They want to share their exploits on social media to get their likes and to be more famous. And that's how this world is anymore. And social media has become such a huge thing in our society with the amount of dollars that you're marketable for by the amount of followers and likes you have. It was a smart business decision made before Antonio Brown being the figure that he is in the public for the Pittsburgh Steelers in January right now, trying to play in February for the Super Bowl, probably not the best choice. No, and I feel bad for us because it's going to come down on millennials. <laughs> like it's, Everybody is the exact same, you, you naughty millennials. But back to the action on the field, I do think it's going to be interesting because the, the one thing Belichick's done his whole career as a defensive mind is try to take away your strength. If he bottles up Le'Veon Bell, Ben hasn't looked as dominant as he has in the past. Last week, he had the big hit to Brown. He had a couple throws to Rodgers and Jesse James, but it wasn't that great. I, I think we're getting to a point where, and it sounds crazy to think about it, but I think Belichick would rather Roethlisberger beat him than Le'Veon Bell just bleed him to death. Yeah, you're probably right. I know Le'Veon Bell is probably the biggest weapon that he was trying to stop. It's just a matter of, is, is he going to do it? What's the temperature? What's the weather going to be like in Foxborough? These are two historic franchises. And it's going to really be a, a really good game, I think. 
So we'll go right now to the picks. What are you going with here? Patriots, they go back to another Super Bowl, their seventh in the Brady era, or the Steelers pull off the upset on the road? I got to believe it's going to be the Patriots. It's it's kind of like uh, like we've been talking about throughout the season. Is I've been looking at the Patriots as Alabama. Now you can probably draw some comparisons with Clemson and Pittsburgh. I don't know if we want to go down that rabbit hole, but I would have to pick Tom Brady until he shows me that he's not capable of, of getting it done when it matters. Uh, their running game is is tops as well. With Garrett Blunt, they could throw out any type of running back you can imagine. James White's been killing James too. White, Deion Lewis on third down. Uh, Emmanuel Acho actually tweeted last last week that he couldn't believe that he was traded for Deion Lewis when Deion Lewis was an eagle. Yes, we'll get and Joe Banner said, that's why I was fired, <laughs> because I traded <laughs> Deion Lewis for you. And so they had a nice uh, back and forth on Twitter. But yeah, I, gotta, I have to go with the Patriots because they've proven that more times than not, they're going to get it done at this stage. Yeah, I would maybe save the Clemson comparisons for the Super Bowl, which one of those teams comes in. I do agree with you. I think Patriots win this game. I'll say it's going to be by a tender score of 27-20. I think it's not going to be a blood. I think it should be a good game. I like New England to win this one. I think a matchup to look at, too, is the Deion Lewis out of the backfield. Ryan Chazier has the speed to maybe run with them. But too much Brady, too much McDaniels and Belichick cooking up plays. I think they win this one. It should be a good game, though. These are, these are by all accounts, the two best teams in the AFC this year getting to the AFC title game. Talking NFL football with Tom Weisenbach. Now we're going to go to the NFC. Well, if you like offense, this game's for you. Packers and Falcons at the Georgia Dome. They get one more game at the Georgia Dome, and this, was, this is the number two seed versus the number four seed. We know how they got here, Tom. They played each other earlier this year. 33-32 was the score Falcons win. Also in Atlanta. We'll start there. Is there anything you could take away from that week? These two teams we played a classic game then, now back in the championship game playing again. It's a diff- The NFL is so week to week that you can prepare by using that game as an example. But I think both teams have evolved and the Packers losing the people that they have in the last couple of weeks even not even talking about season long with Eddie Lacy and having to throw Ty Montgomery in the backfield. And now all of a sudden Jordy Nelson is not. So they're back to the same team that they had in the playoffs last year. And Aaron Rodgers is, is pulling rabbits out of, out of hats. Just, just like we drew it up in, in August. But I don't think you can take a whole lot into account from that. I know it's probably going to be a similar style game with offenses, all over the place, the uh, the points are going to be there. It's going to be reminiscent of maybe one of those Pac-12 college games that you're throwing the ball all over the place, maybe a little bit of a Rose Bowl where <laughs> a team makes a run late and, and a long field goal. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind right now. Matt Ryan has his offense cooking with the running game he finally has and a defense that can get off the field and allow the offense to, to capitalize, and they're playing at home, so... I think the crowd's going to be rocking for this game. Right. The only thing I would really take away from this one, and this is because we already know about Aaron Rodgers. Like, there's nothing that's surprising about what he's doing. He's one of the best quarterbacks ever, probably, and he's playing at a level that's unprecedented. Is that Matt Matt Ryan, rather, had a great game against the defense. He's not going to be intimidated by the moment, by the setting. He knows he can play against this team. There's nothing foreign about what he's going to face. 
it's hard to really think that they're, it's hard to bet the under in this game. I mean that they you have to think this is going to be a shootout. Both of these offenses can put up points. They can put up points fast. They can put together long drives. We've seen that. I wonder on the defensive side of the ball. I'll start with Green Bay. For as much praise as Aaron Rodgers is deservedly getting for this offense for their run of playoff games in the last couple weeks that have been phenomenal. Still got those questions about the secondary. Still got the questions about whether they can get to Ryan before he can pick them apart. And I do think he will pick them apart if they don't. Yeah, that's the biggest question, Mark. They had a a big lead early in that game against Dallas and and kind of let him back into the game uh, with, with Dak and Zeke. But the Packers defense has suffered a lot of injuries in the in the secondary and and I think as long as they limit the damage that that Atlanta is presumably going to put forth on on Sunday and honest I got I just don't <laughs> know crazy. it's so hard to pick the NFL these days because anything can happen on any week you thought the Cowboys were destined to play the Patriots and now all of a sudden it's the Packers and the Falcons and you were saying you were looking you wanted to look for a little uh more variety in the teams. Well, we have it here in, in Atlanta is kind of crashing the party here throughout the season. I've been very high on Atlanta at this point. I'm, I, it's just so tough. Right. Atlanta has more weapons than maybe any team left. And you know, we talked to our good friend C.J. Deer, and he, he brought up a good point earlier this week that there's not a defense left that you think is a matchup problem for Atlanta. If they run into a Texans D, you think, okay, they can stumble them, and then Atlanta's defense isn't as good. Green Bay's D isn't going to do it. None of the AFC defenses are going to do it. With two bell cow running backs, with Julio Jones, obviously, Sanu, with Taylor Gabriel emerging, Hooper tight end, this is an elite team. But I keep coming back to this, Tom, that it's, it's a quarterback league. You can win without good quarterbacks at times, but with this game, with how we think it's going to be played, you just get the sense that if one of them is just a little off, that's going to be the difference. If Ryan doesn't quite match Rodgers' level, he plays good but not great, kind of like Dak did last week, Falcons are going to lose. If Rodgers is slightly off, you know, Matt Ryan carves up his D, they could be out. I think it's going to come down to quarterbacks. Can they match each other's level, the two presumably MVP finalists? Does Rodgers have one more left than in the tank? Because he had to pull that game out. He didn't have to make that throw for them to win the game, but it definitely helped. He, but he did, exactly. And and there was plenty in the press conference where he was asked, is that, is that the best throw you've ever made? And he, without taking any hesitation, said, no. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's the thing. Like, he's so confident, but it's almost like a superhuman power for him that he's able to draw plays. I mean, who would have who would have the stones to even try to throw third and twenty? Because you think he throws an incompletion, it's fourth down. You have to punt. You have to figure all that out. I and mean, Rodgers is something else. But defensively, you wonder. And, and look, without Jordy Nelson, that I, I don't know how that's going to affect. Obviously, the Packer offense has been has been doing great things, but in this game. And in a game last time they played each other, Nelson carved up the Falcons. I think he had two touchdowns. This could be a game where they feel him, not so much in the sense that the Packer offense stumbles, but that extra X factor could be the difference to a complete, you know, could be the case where Nelson goes off, you get into that 40-point range. I do think they're going to feel not having him out there. Yeah, if any week, it's going to be this week. Uh, the other thing is uh, the pass rush of Atlanta getting to Aaron Rodgers a little Premature. I think they're going to try and get the ball out of Aaron's hands very quickly and kind of feel it out from there early. They're going to try and go with uh, three-step drops, get the ball out of his hands, because Vic Beasley's coming. 
They're, yeah, this could be a second. This could be the Vic Beasley game. I mean, Brooks Reed's playing well too. The secondary is just okay. I like what Dan Quinn's done. He, he's he. It's like he understands his defense's limitations. They don't take unnecessary chances. You never think they're playing kind of an outrageous or an exotic coverage. They're just a simple team that's middle of the pack defense. They're going to try to make plays. And I think too, if Nelson doesn't play, here's where you could feel him. If you get Beasley getting pressure. You know a lot of those hot routes where you have, instead of Jordy Nelson, you have Geronimo Allen. You have, you have guys like that that have to break off their routes. We saw it a little bit last week. They're not as sharp. They're not as crisp as Nelson, as a Devontae Adams, as a Cobb. You put pressure on those guys, they might not be able to adjust on the fly to the pressure that Atlanta's bringing. So I think that's an interesting point to mention as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jared Cook is, is quickly becoming one of his security blankets. You know how Aaron Rodgers also likes his tight ends uh, yeah. over the years. And I think they're going to make up for it, though. But you're absolutely right. The one Geronimo Allison drop on second and 10 could make a third and 10. Or he just runs the wrong route, or he just stays yeah, off. And could be that one interception that Aaron Rodgers throws. I know he threw one in the, in the last game, but he doesn't throw many. No, and, he doesn't. And if he's going to, you know, that ha- leads me to believe that it's going to be another 400 or so passes until he throws another. So I wouldn't expect any of the rest of the the playoffs. And, and if they're not turning the ball over, then they have a really good shot to win the game. And if I'm Atlanta, I mean, both teams really, but if I'm Atlanta, i got to establish a run. As great as the offense is, number one offense in football, you don't want to get into a throwing competition with Aaron Rodgers, as good as Matt Ryan is, because you're probably not going to win. Run the ball. Coleman, you know, get going there. Freeman, if you can own time of possession, keep Rodgers on the sideline, that's going to be huge. And for Green Bay, I mean, Ty Montgomery has done an admirable job. I, I don't know what his future in the NFL holds. Is he a number one running back? I don't know. But he does enough. He keeps the defense honest. We're going to look at the arms. It's, it's glamorous. It's exciting. But let's not sleep on the running game. I think that could be a difference maker as well. Oh, yeah. I would definitely give the edge to Atlanta, though, in the running game. They have two backs that could get it done, whereas the Packers are holding it together with, with duct tape and glue. <laughs> Rakowski's a really big X factor on that running game Hard for notes, the Packers. Yeah. The offensive lines up front are going to have to pave the way. I know Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman are one of the best duos in the backfield, though, and they're clicking on oh, all yeah, cylinders. This sure. is the first time that they've really had a big running back to complement Matt Ryan's arm, and they're going to have to do some work. The quick pass out of the backfield, not out of the question as well. The running game sets up the play-action pass game to the tight ends, Toy Lolo. I know Matt Ryan's really, Austin Hooper, really been good about spreading the ball around this season, and that's going to be big to make sure the pressure's kind of off Julio Jones. He came out, he came to play because he was playing Seattle, and they had a controversial game throughout the regular season, so I know they wanted to win that one big time. Just got to make sure the motivation's there, and obviously with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, it should be. I mean, think about the legacies before we get to our pick. Think about... What's at stake in this game for a legacy? If Rodgers dominates Atlanta, runs the Super Bowl, he's still running the table. He's putting together the greatest stretch of his career. McCarthy, who has had his fair share of critics, has now gotten Green Bay back for the Super Bowl. On Atlanta's side, Julio Jones, if he just destroys Green Bay, puts on a Larry Fitzgerald playoff-type performance, we start mentioning him in the bigger picture of receivers. And Matt Ryan, I mean, this was a guy that... Look, we've all known how skilled he was. The last couple of years, there's been questions. How good is he? Has he peaked? And then he just put together the best performance of his career. This is going to be, there's a lot at stake. I just think it's one of those fascinating games. We're going to remember for a long time, regardless of what happens. 
Oh, I I completely agree. I think it's the early. Is it the early or the late game on Sunday? The late one, right? Yeah. Yes. No, it's twelve oh five. The early one. My bad. Yeah. So it's the early game. Yeah. So it's a nice little appetizer before we settle in in Foxborough. But uh, I think both. I mean, you you can see the NFC title over the years. I think the championship games have kind of been the better games. I know. Seems like it. Yeah. In the there was a stretch there where the soup we were getting really really good Super Bowls and. I think historically the championship games have been where the battles are won. It's in cold weather more more than not. You know, not in Atlanta in this case. Yeah. But the home crowd last game at uh, the dome there, the Georgia Dome, and those fans are going to be rocking. I, I I mean, last game the Eagles like, were in that similar situation. This is the like ninth uh, time I'm bringing the Eagles into <laughs> it, but they had a chance to to close down the vet and they didn't get it done, but. This was a cold game against the Bucks. You know, at this point, it's going to be just air raid offense, and what's it's going to be a very entertaining game. Well, this is the equivalent of maybe eating dessert before dinner because I think this might be the better game of this is eating your candy before dinner. I think this could be the game of the day, but you never know. It's football; anything could happen. But all right, Tom, final final hit moment here. Who are you picking in this game? And I want to lay out with the fact that I might be going. I definitely haven't gone Green Bay in the first two weeks, so I'm still, I'll let you go first, but I'm, I've been against Green Bay. They've been proving me wrong every step of the way. Yeah, I'm leery of going against Green Bay, just knowing what Aaron Rodgers has done as far as pulling wins out of his magical hat <laughs> over the last couple of weeks and months now because that's seven in a row for them. I think I'm going to take the Falcons in this one, but I think it's going to be a very close game, maybe a Matt Ryan field goal that wins it. Okay. I, I don't like scores. I'm not sure when we'll just go like <laughs> I, yeah, 35-32. There you go. That, that works. So the last time I went against a team like Green Bay that many times was uh, the 2010 New Orleans Saints run. 2009 season, 2010 playoffs. And I was wrong every step of the way, even through the Super Bowl. I can't make that same mistake again. I think Green Bay wins this one. Rodgers is just nothing against Matt Ryan. I probably would pick against any team in this situation. Green Bay is playing at another level offensively. I think they can make enough plays on the defensive side of the ball to win. This is going to be another good game for Randall Cobb. I think he's going to show up. This is him again, like wild card weekend. I'll say 30. I'll say, let's get a little interesting here. I'll say 41-38. We're going to go full-on shootout mode. Rodgers beats the Falcons. Well, Tom, thanks for coming by the show. It was an exciting year. You know, NFL season just about done. We we covered a lot on this uh on this short ride, this long uh, journey on this podcast. Yeah, it was always uh, always great to be here, and uh, 50 episodes is an awful lot, right? Hey, it is. Congratulations it is. on that. Appreciate it. And, yeah, we cover a lot of different sports, uh, a lot of different topics as well. But, hey, you know what? It's basketball season, so we'll see. Maybe Embiid and the Sixers can keep winning, and we'll get you back for some NBA thoughts. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, 10-9-8-76ers. <laughs> Thanks again, Tom Weisenbach, for coming on the show. Special thanks to Tom Weisenbach for coming on the Money Mitch Effect and talking football. And thanks again to Tom for all the times he came on the show to talk NFL action this season. Definitely improved the quality of the show. It was fun to do as well. We'll have Tom on for basketball season for a 76ers. I've been referencing MB a lot on this show. Gonna have to get him back for that. All right, now it's time to talk NHL action with Joe Crusali. 
He was a big hockey fan, grew up in Connecticut, roots for his Rangers. We'll talk about them, other top teams in that Metropolitan Division. If Montreal is for real, what to make of both wildcard pictures. And we'll talk a little All-Star game as well. It's Eastern and Western Conference action, scoring leaders, you name it. I love hockey. And I think it loves me back a little bit. I've given a lot to that game. Here it is now. Joe Casali on the Money Mitch Effect for some NHL talk. Alright, back now on the Money Mitch Effect. We're talking hockey, NHL action. Back on the show, Joe Casali. Joe, thanks for joining the program. What's up? Well, we can do this because not everybody has the appreciation for one of the greatest sports in the world like we do. So, yeah. But you can come on and talk hockey. You got your Rangers hat on. And, we, you know, we can start there. It's been an interesting Rangers season. I think that's a fair way of putting it. If I would have told you going into the season, Joe, right now that you'd be, you know, 57 points, wild card, not, not really tearing it up. I don't think that's surprising. But how you've done it is the way that I think surprises everyone. 158 goals for most in the NHL. I've given up 123. It's been the opposite of probably every Ranger season in the last decade. Lots of offense, but very little defense. Yeah, it's insane. If you look at the Rangers and you see the King is, is struggling, you wouldn't get that. But they have, they have a young team, and the young team is they're all meshing well and playing well together. I mean, the Trade for Zibanejad, beginning of the season, he was playing really well and he got hurt, but people stepped up, like JT Miller is having a year of his yeah. life, Kreider is having a year of his life, everyone's playing really well, and then they got Grabner off that, the waivers. There's was, probably only one more, with the exception of the Gagne to Columbus deal, Grabner's the best value deal gotta be. in the NHL for what they signed him for, for what he's producing. It's like top, top 10 in goals, <laughs> it's ridiculous. The thing with him though is the speed, like he's... Always been one of the fastest players in the he's league. Good. He's finally on a good team that can utilize him. Yeah, well, Hank's struggling, and I don't know if it's an age thing. I mean, he is, what, 38 years old. You wonder if he's slowing down. Defensively, they have not been that good in that's, front of him. That's, that's what it is. part of it. But, I, you know, the Metropolitan Division, though, it's so tough. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, 57 points is enough to, good. Be, enough to be second in every other division, I think, except for that they one. They got, like, the A spot. Yeah. Well, and you know what it is, though, too, with Columbus, Washington, and Pittsburgh. I mean, they're only seven points back of that Columbus, Washington type of first four from Pittsburgh. Still a lot of hockey left, and I don't know now. You see, I don't know if getting into one of those spots is better or worse for them. Yeah, It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I still think the most shocking part is Toronto is in there. <laughs> We're going to talk about Toronto in a second, because that is unbelievable what's that happening Them and the Oilers, those two young, uh, it's crazy. Before we move on from the Rangers, i got to ask you about what happened last night. So it was the revenge game, or two <laughs> nights ago, I should say, by the time we're taping this. Rangers and Stars. You wouldn't think revenge game, but the last time they played, Cody Eakin went up Henrik Lundqvist. Yep. Pretty, pretty brutal hit. I don't know what he was trying to do, but definitely shouldn't have laid a goaltender out. You knew it was coming. Chris Kreider was the one to deliver the justice system, but he got fined $5,000 for... Swinging a helmet at swinging his opponent's helmet at Eakin, and I'll just say my piece and I'll let you talk. I had no problem. You knew it was coming. There's no way around it. Like it was, it was destiny. But I think Crowder let his emotions get the best of him. You, you really can't be doing that. Well, <laughs> it was definitely deserved. 
Yeah, you don't no, go at the, you don't go thing. at you don't go at Henrik like that. You don't you don't do that. And uh, Kreider's a guy who's he's he's a lot bigger than people think he is. Big guy. He's a leader now too, but he is yeah. He is every bit of six three, six four, two twenty, two thirty. So if anyone was gonna go at him, you can. Uh, I'm glad it was Kreider. But you're right. I mean, swinging your helmet like that's a little crazy. But uh, I was kind of hoping they would just deck him. You know, just put him on his put him on his uh, his heels. But. Uh, Swing your helmets a little intense. And you know it was coming, too, because it's not a division rivalry. They only play twice a year, so they only had one game to give it to them, and that game was not 7-6. Seven, 7-6. Seven, six. Six. Ridiculous. I think that says more about Dallas, though, than the Rangers. I know we talk about the Rangers being a goal-scoring team and not playing defense, but that's all Dallas is. Yeah. That's why you can never trust Dallas, even if they make the playoffs, because their goaltending is awful, and they will get lit up in a seven-game series. The crazy part with the Rangers is they have... Lundqvist, and if they're scoring all these goals and you look at the stats, you're like, oh, they should probably be winning 90% of these games, but he's just not playing well. He just doesn't have a defense in front of him like he's used to having. We'll see what happens. I do want to stay with that Metropolitan Division. Columbus tied for first with Washington, 64 points. Columbus has a game in hand. Joe, they went on that 17-game winning streak, which was second to only the 91-92 Pittsburgh Penguins all-time, but... I said at the time, you know, as a, as a Blue Jackets fan, that it was pretty remarkable in its own right, but also remarkable that they didn't even build a lead in their own division. I mean, they do all that, and the Capitals are still tied with them. These are these are all good teams. You can't leave Pittsburgh out. Your Rangers as well. This just keeps bringing me back to the point, Joe, that I, I hate how the new playoffs are set up. Because I feel like the two best teams are going to be in this division when it all shakes out, but only one can make the conference final. Yeah, I mean... I wish that they would just do the, the best teams. The best teams get in. The best teams not. It shouldn't be, you know, split so they have to play a wild card or whatever they call it. Yeah. But Columbus is ridiculous. You you look at their roster at the beginning of the season. You're you're thinking, eh, you know, it's kind of the same as it was last year. But Bobrovsky has just been ridiculous this year. You know, he is a former Vesna Trophy winner. People forget just how dominant he was and how stupid that trade was that the Flyers made. Yeah. To get rid of him. It's because of that uh, the final, that Stanley Cup playoffs that he had that year when he was he ducked. Yeah, I mean that was pretty bad. But the Flyers were a mess defensively. They kept you know switching out their goalies. And look now, I mean <laughs> we know some Flyer fans that are excited about Steve Mason. They have the most <laughs> goals against yep. in the league. Yep. they've literally been scored on the most. But Bobrowski can play. He's been hurt a lot. The Blue Jackets are healthy. The Brandon Saad signing, Weinberg's good. I mean they have a lot yeah. of good young talent. Cam Atkinson. Best year, he's so under the radar, it's ridiculous. We looked at the scoring leaders, and we were talking about this before we start, before we started the podcast. Atkinson right now in the league is top 10, sitting at the ninth spot with 43 points, tied for ninth in the league. He's the only guy drafted outside pretty much the first round. You have Marshawn, who's a third-round pick, and everybody else in that top 10 is a first-round pick. Then you have Cam Atkinson. I mean, it's remarkable. I think Tortorella just sandbagged the World Cup of Hockey. Yeah. I think he just wanted everybody to think he sucks as a coach. It does. He's actually done a good job. Like I know, it, I, I'm look. Well, I am not a big Torrell supporter, but he's done a good job at least pushing the right buttons for this team. Yeah, I kind of wish he did that with the Rangers when he <laughs> coached the Rangers, and then he went to Vancouver and just took a huge dump. And then, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too. It part of it is the biggest draw to, to Torrell. Tampa Bay. He he worked well with that team, but in New York and Vancouver, he couldn't get along with star players. He couldn't get along with. Big egos, which is part of the job in the NHL. I think he fits better on this Columbus team because they don't really have that. I mean, they yeah. don't have a lot of well-established like their guys. Their top guy is Atkinson. Yeah. He doesn't say a word. I know. I mean, he's... they got Dubinsky, former Ranger, so. 
And that's uh, that's the enforcer yeah. type that they need, the new age enforcer who can still I mean, play, but with guys like Hartnell on the fourth line. You know, it's it's interesting, too. I, I don't know that how long this is going to last because I think Washington kind of switched into them. This is the best thing that could have happened to them. Last year, they coasted. They have a lot of talent, but they coasted to the point lead, and the pressure kind of got to them. I think it's great that they have some competition this year. Pittsburgh's still around, won the Cup, obviously, and Columbus. I think it's going to make them better suited for the playoffs. Still hurts to think Pittsburgh won the Cup. Watching Carl Hagelin raise that trophy. I know, that hurt. Him and his blonde hair flowing, just hoisting the Cup. The worst. Trade him for Emerson Etan. Like, come on. That was was a rough one. But Long Beach Beach Hockey, though, needed something. Crazy. I, I think, too... I mean, we're all in the same boat just about, like, as long as it's not the Penguins, I'm cool with any of these Metropolitan teams having their turn in the sun. Because no one's really no one's really gotten that chance yet. And I, I like the Capitals. I think last year wasn't a choke job, I keep saying. I think the Penguins just hit their stride and were tough. I, they were the hot team. And look at them this year. I mean, they Crosby's on an absolute tear, maybe the Until best Until he tears sport. something or gets a concussion <laughs> again or something like that. But they're so suited without him. I mean, even if he goes down for a month or two, you got Malkin, who's tied for second with Crosby in the league in scoring. Phil yeah. Kessel. Phil Kessel is amazing. Hagelin, we, we mentioned those guys. They got Matt Cohen playing hockey good into his 40s. I mean, Connor Sherry is pretty Connor good. Connor Sherry. This is a, a loaded team. It's tough to come out of that division, but I think the Metropolitan is going to have what? You know the big four are going to go. Is it possible this division, Joe, has five teams in it? The playoffs? Uh, I don't know. That's That's a lot. Yeah, I'm not that's high on the more Flyers. Than I think I, that's the part that it, it would be safe because the Islanders are a train wreck. They yeah, just fired, fired their, their coach. coach. Yeah, they're done. We're not going to see them in the playoffs for a while. Rangers, Rangers will be in. Just yeah. that's that's Homer for me. Rangers will be in. Columbus, I don't know. Pittsburgh definitely. The Devils are uh, yeah. I mean maybe the Devils. I, it, they're only three points back, and I'm looking at the teams that are in that uh, Eastern Conference wild card race. I don't know who I believe. I mean, you look at like Tampa Bay. Three points back. How are they this? How are they this bad this year? Same with Florida. Well, the Florida they were both playoff teams last year. Well, Florida. I mean, I was kind of giving up on them because they fired their coach and just every story you read about the Panthers are just an abomination in their front office. That's true. I, that's one of those revamped logos that <laughs> goes that goes horribly wrong. You're you're relying on a 44 year old guy to be your leader, and, and your young stud Huberdeau's out for like the whole year. So there's another surprise team, Ottawa. Ottawa's in in the thick of it too. Who? They got that wild card spot right now. I just I don't trust the Flyers. I think the Rangers. I think the top four are locks. It's going to be the three Atlantic teams, and then also who gets that last wild card should be fun to watch. As I talk hockey with Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect, I do want to get to the Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference because we have to talk about those Maple Leafs. They're in the third seed right now. They have six games in hand, six on the Bruins, which I don't know how that happened. <laughs> they played six less games, but. Joe, we thought this would be a learning curve. We we know how good Austin Matthews, the pride of Scottsdale, Arizona hockey, is. Shout out Matt Wittenberg. Yeah, I mean, they got a hockey hotbed, and I, I credit Matt Wittenberg, guest on the show, for that. <laughs> but it's fair to say, Joe, that it's more than just one guy. It's more than just Matthews. Marner's been amazing. Marner, William Nylander. William Nylander's been good. And Babcock behind the bench. And this is turning into a scary team. They're definitely a team that no one had predicted to do well this year. They're kind of on par with the Sabres every year. You're thinking Toronto, Buffalo, they're going to be down in the cellar. But this year, it's just not that way. And what different ways both those two teams went? You have Toronto having this great year. Buffalo, it looks like another mess again. We're hearing Bilesmo might not make it to next season. 
Part of it's luck. Guys get hurt. Guys are healthy. But Matthews is a player. I mean, you watched, I remember the Centennial game, the outdoor game, where he had two goals against Detroit, including the winner. I mean, this is a bona fide stud. He's 19 years old. Looks like a grown man out there. We're not even talking about Van Riemsdyk, who's no. been one of their top guys for the last so many years he's been in the league. He's right behind Matthews in points. They have a lot of goal scorers. They have a lot of young talent on the team. It's a good mix. It is. Dangerous. I think this team is going to get into the playoffs. I, I do think that division is down. The Bruins, it's hard to trust. You, you just don't know what you're going to get from them on a night-to-night basis. Claude Julian, it just feels like it's time for there. I mean, we could have a lot of coaching changes this year because I feel like it might be time to move on and rip the Band-Aid off. Well, they have a lot. The Bruins, they have a lot of old talent. Krejci, he's he's yeah. been up and Bacchus down this year. Backus, he's only got 22 points. Bergeron has had probably the worst year he's had in a, in a long time. And they just don't have a lot of goal scorers. They have Marchand. I mean, the young kid Pasternak is on the up and up, but he's been on a goal drought. I just don't see the the Bruins making a run for it. Right, and then I look at Montreal, who has 60 points, an eight-point an eight cushion. It almost feels like they're going to coast to this division title. Yeah. I don't know how much of a threat they're going to be. I mean, obviously, when you have Carey Price. He's so good. He's just ridiculous. I mean, they've given up only 117 goals this year, but a lot of that's the backup. I don't have the numbers in front of me. but Montoya. That's Montoya. when Price went down. <laughs> and you gave up 10 to the Blue Jackets yeah. early in the season. So... So those numbers are a bit Yeah, skewed. it's a little skewed. But Montreal, they're not flashy. The trade Subban for Weber. While Working out. It, you know what? It's what they want to do. I mean, yeah, that's why in sports, you know this with football and baseball, you can't just go by talent. It's the identity of your roster. Yep. Montreal wanted to play defense. Less flash and, and play D, and Weber's working out for that team. You wonder, too, and they're plus 22. I forgot to mention this with the Rangers, Joe. Plus 35, plus minus. You look at Ottawa, zero. Philly is minus 16. Carolina's plus one. Carolina. Florida's minus 20. Those are all the teams right behind them in the wild card race. And the Rangers are plus 35. But hockey's an interesting sport, as we know. Absolutely. And then another storyline for the Canadians. Radulov comes over and he says, says, oh, here he is. He's going to have a great season. Uh, yeah. And that's the one thing about hockey that I, don't, I think a lot of people don't realize is the foreign aspect of it. Basketball is similar, but not quite the same. But you get hockey players that come over from Russia, from European leagues, they can just come right in and play. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good. talent over there. They can just come right in and be second, third line yeah, guys. He, er, yeah. Rangers, they got uh, Pavel Busevich. When mm-hmm. he's on the ice, he's ridiculous. Let's see if Radulov can stay focused, though, the whole season. And before we move to the Western Conference, is this it? Can we cross off the Red Wings? It's a streak end this year. <laughs> what a journey it's been, but I feel like it might be time. Uh, they could be out. They're, they're pretty much out of it for me. I mean, I don't know what they did. Last, Last night's game was amazing, though, when they beat the Bruins. It was like an up and down. I don't know how they do it either, because the talent is not on par with a lot of these other teams. But From what I'm looking at here, they're almost dead last in power play percentage. They're almost <laughs> last in penalty kill. They're almost last in pretty much every category. Goals for, goals against, assists, shooting percentage. They have a losing record on both. Oh, man. When when your top scorer is Thomas Vanek at the age of whatever he is, 30-something years old. He's like 10th team. Yeah, his 10th team. I mean, I don't don't know. And then Larkin. They just, I don't know what they're doing with him. Last year, he was so good as a rookie. They shifted him. What, they shifted him to center or wing? I don't even know what they're playing. So they're four points out of a playoff spot. You wonder about the magic of the Joe Lewis arena. If this, the last year, if this is it, are they going to... Find a way to get to the playoffs. How about this stat, though? 6-0 in shootouts. 
Six and oh. That's all that matters. That's get, all. Get, the get to a shootout. I think they're the only undefeated team in a shootout this year. Bexel Lurgan, though, he was pretty insane. He was plus 11 last year, plus minus. Had 45 points. This year, he's minus 13. He's only got 18 points through 45 games. That's crazy. I mean, that is just absolutely nuts. But, hey, you know what? I don't, I'd like to see the streak end. I'm not a Red Wings fan, although it is kind of cool that they've been stringing it on, just <laughs> hanging on by the skin of their teeth. It's a different Red Wings team, though. Datsuk's gone. Zetterberg doesn't have too many years left. No more Babcock there. They're, faces. they're just a team of second liners, second and third liners. They're just an average across the board. There's no there's no standout stud. Like you said, Datsuk is gone. There's no one there. No one. And then, I mean, yeah, it's going to be rough to, to get in. But, hey, we don't know. It's hockey. Anything can happen. And there is no more disgruntled superstar. There's probably no more superstar in sports right now that I feel bad for more than John Tavares. Oh, that poor guy. He's so talented. I know you're a Rangers fan and hate the Islanders, but even you feel bad for him. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's just so good and he's just stuck. Got no one around him. No one around him. I think a top five player in the league. I would put him. He lost He lost Ocposo. So he's like, everyone was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to leave this team, which is fine for me. I could care less. <laughs> but that team is just horrid. I went to a game at the old uh, oh, Nassau. Nassau. The grimiest Woo! arena in the league. It was like, it was like eight bucks. <laughs> so the game. Worst arena. It, rowdy fans. Just, I love it. Yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, everybody that doesn't understand how good Tavares is, watch that first round series last year against the Panthers when he basically just said, we're winning this series. And did everything for his team. So we hope it works out for him. Maybe he asks yeah. out. Maybe he asks out. And he could be a big-time player when his contract ends. He could. Know. I mean, if you're him, why would you want to stay with a team that's not going anywhere? Just going down. Yeah. Going down, when down, you're, down, When you can literally drive up to the stadium and take the first parking space and walk in, you probably <laughs> should. Yeah, the Islanders and the Phoenix Suns. You both have that in common. All right. Western Conference talking NHL hockey with Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. And this is interesting, too, because we're used to, Joe, the usual players in the West. This is the first year that I can notice the West being a step down, not quite as good, a step behind some of the top Eastern teams. But right now, the top point getters tied for first in the Western Conference in the Central, Minnesota and Chicago, with 61 points. Chicago is no surprise, so we'll start with them. 61 points. They're always losing players because of the calorie cap. Uh, restrictions, but yet they're always here. What is it about this team? How do they just keep finding a way to be towards the top of their conference? They're just good. They have <laughs> so much talent. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. They got Corey Crawford. Panarin. Panarin, yeah. The young stud. They're getting Amnisov, former Ranger Blue Jacket. Amnisov, yeah. yeah Amnisov, excuse me, who just couldn't figure it out on either of those teams. I mean, I guess he was good. He was with Kane and Panarin. You put points up. He was clutch for the Rangers, but he just didn't fit well with them. And then he goes to Columbus, and he didn't fit well with them. And now he's on a line with Patrick Kane, and he's good. I, I like the fit here. I think it's good. He's a fast player. He moves well. Crawford, the much maligned Corey Crawford, who sometimes he, he has his setbacks, he has his brain farts, but he finds a way to just play good around that team. I do wonder though. The one, one concern I have with the with the Blackhawks defensively, they're getting older. So you wonder if, and I have all the respect for Keith and, and Seabrook for how they play the game. Both having great years. Having great years. But are we going to ever get to that point where you start to see their age, you start to see the mileage? They play deep into the playoffs just about every year. Will that eventually add up? It might. I mean, they got Hosa too, who is old. Jesus, he's been in the league for like 20 years almost. Yeah. He's, 
I mean, as much as I'd like to see the Blackhawks slow down, they're not going to. They're just that team that's always in it. They're, so, yeah. The Wild are the other team at the top of the conference, and I do like a lot about this team. We are looking at the plus-minus stats before we came on, and the leaders in the NHL are like, oh, wild. They have the top three. They have like five of the top, like seven. Yep. They're, they've given up actually the fewest amount of goals in the league this year, 96. They have not given up 100 goals yet. They're, it's, like, it's almost two goals a game average. Dubnik is has been a beast. Ridiculous. I mean, it's insane that the Arizona Coyotes just gave him away. Yeah, if you're the Arizona Coyotes, you're looking at your uh, Mike Smith, and you're like, why are you not Devin, Devin Dubnik? Dubnik. Yeah. yeah. When, when, he was on, when he was on the Coyotes, everyone blamed him for his struggles, but they had no defense. They, don't, oh, no, they have one defenseman, Ekman yeah, Larson. Ekman Larson, but he's, he's an offensive defenseman. Yeah. He doesn't play defense. I like the what I like about this team is that they finally figured out a way to get younger at the back end. Suter is a beast, we know that, but they've actually added some pieces to that defense where it's not just him, where if you get him off the ice, you can you can just make your move then. Here's my problem with the Wild. Hope they do well. Love the state of hockey, one of the best home ice advantages in the league. They can't match up with the Blackhawks. They've been eliminated like four out of the last five years from the playoffs by Chicago. If these are the two teams, they're going to lose to Chicago again. That's just how I feel going into this series, if I, it happens. I totally agree with that. I just don't think they have the firepower that they Chicago plays their game better than them. Yes. Kane loves to just tear up Minnesota. I, Minnesota's going to be praying that somebody gets the Blackhawks before they have to play them. I think Is it going to be another Blackhawks-Blues <laughs> first-round matchup? Well, I'm glad you brought the Blues because... It might be, but this is not last year's Blues team. Not even close. This isn't close. This won't. If they played right now, it might be a sweep. That's how bad St. Louis has looked. It's hard to, to, to pinpoint this, but I'm looking at 135 goals against Joe, and I'm looking at maybe a bad decision to get rid of Brian Elliott and keep Jake Allen. Hate to put it on one guy, but Allen has not been the guy this year. He hasn't been as good as they tabbed him to be, which is upsetting because... Everyone in St. Louis, oh, St. Louis fans, they liked Brian Elliott. He was good. They should have just stuck with both of them, going back and forth, switching every other game. So here's the thing. I, I don't know what the locker room dynamic was. Those guys were probably fed up. I think they wanted to be their guy in their own right. I mean, Elliott's in Calgary where the defense is clearly optional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, clearly... <laughs> he's, not, he's not making a case for my point that I just made that he's good no. being in Calgary. But... but you know the difference, right? Like They could play 40 games a year, 40-plus games a year. It's different than playing 60. When you're the guy all the time, maybe both or one of these guys, Allen maybe, is not ready to be the guy. I just, I wonder there. And now you're, you're looking at the Blues, they get rid of Bacchus, you know, they get, some of the guys aren't performing, Tarasenko's a beast, but are they going to be sellers? I mean, is it possible guys like Shattenkirk get moved at the deadline? That also could be the issue for them this year, because in the offseason... They were all talking about how they were going to try and ship out Shattenkirk, and maybe they are going to trade Shattenkirk away. And yeah, he, you can't dangle a guy You can't like dangle that. one of the best defensemen in the league, and Alex Petrangelo has not really been himself this year either. No, there's a lot of people that actually think Shattenkirk is better than Petrangelo. In a lot of aspects, I think he is. He's more of a scorer, but I think Petrangelo's a better defender. But right. They're both really good. They are, and it's tough. I mean, you could see Hitchcock fired before the end of the year. This is, like, this is also the coach waiting thing. Hitchcock's pretty much going to retire at the end of the year, so he might have one foot out the door. Lane Kiffin style, and yeah. then you have Mike Yeo, who, the former Wild coach, is pretty much going to get the job next. It's messy. I mean, it's not an ideal situation to be in. There's talent, which is why they're still you know, third in their division, but this is not last year's Blues team. Nah, 
It's definitely a totally different team. I thought two years ago when they got Paul Stastny, they were going to start turning things around. They had Bobby Fabry who's coming up. He's playing really well. He's playing really well this year, too. It's just, yeah. it's just not matching well for them. So let's switch now to the Pacific Division with Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. Still talking NHL action, 2016-17 season. It's interesting. It's, it's about similar to what we kind of thought, but the way the, the points have shaken up, it's a log jam at the top. You have Anaheim at 59 points, Edmonton at 57, and San Jose, last year's Western Conference champions, at 56 points. Starting with the Ducks, I don't look. I don't know, Joe, what the Ducks could possibly do to make me have confidence in them, other than win a, win a couple playoff series. They've had a nice year. They started out kind of weak, but they pick, hit their stride. Although I should say that this is the time of year they usually go on one of those runs. So if there's a team to buy right now for the next month, it might be the Ducks. Yeah, I mean they're getting good goaltending. Gibson's a player, and I'm glad he's figured out. He's overcame some of his like sophomore slumps, I would say. He started, he started out really rough, yeah. but and then he started playing Bernier more, and he yeah. and Gibson really mm-hmm. kicked it into high gear. But other players like Kessler, he wasn't super great last year, but he's really stepped up this year. He's ruthless out there. I like watching him play because he just does not care that who he offends, who he pisses off. He is, his job is to shadow, basically, the top guy on the team. If there's a player that's made the most leaps this year for Anaheim, maybe even in the whole NHL, Cam Fowler. What a year he's had. Yeah. An all-star for the first time. This is a, a, a very good hockey player who's helping solidify this team defensively. You wonder, though, where this team will get timely offense from because Getzlav and Perry are getting up there in age. But the Oilers, though, Joe, four-game winning streak. They started out so hot. They hit their slide. Everyone was like, ah, oh, here go the Oilers. Same old Oilers. But... They're back, to, they're back to winning. And we could sing Connor McDavid's praises all day. It's not a one-man band in Edmonton, otherwise they wouldn't be here. I'll just say this. When you get the first overall pick... <laughs> no, it's coming. ...for how many years in a row? 45? <laughs> just about. They, they pretty much almost have a roster of number one You could screw pick. it up half the times and still have a good team. And that's what they did. <laughs> and they're getting good play. They made a great... They got Lucic. That was a great signing by them. It was. And, uh, they paid for it, but it was. Okay. There's some There's some talent in our first overall picks on this team. I really, One of my favorite players to watch is uh, defenseman Nurse. Because he's tough, he's scrappy, and he's a guy that, that definitely fits the mold for what the Edmonton Oilers are trying to do. They're not there yet, but they're trying to not just be a one-dimensional team. McDavid, though, I mean, how could you not just... He, he's... I don't want like a Steph Curry type, like a Russell Westbrook, like a, if you go to NFL action, maybe like uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you have to see what he does when he's out there. He's must-watch, must-see TV. And what he's doing is he's opening up for his teammates. I will say this, though. I like Talbot and Goal. I like some of the things they're doing. The worry with this team is that will they be able to grind it out in the big moments? Playoff time, seven-game series, gets real physical, offense at a premium. Can they grind out wins? I'm just not there yet. That's the big question for them. We thought that they weren't going to be able to score after they traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, but they've been <laughs> able to do it. Yeah, and that, I, that hey, trade, it's worked out for them so far. Like, hey. like you said, they're, they've molded themselves into what they're trying to be, and it's worked out for them. As far as them in the playoffs, I don't know how they stack up against competition. Minnesota, like you said, plays great defense. Anaheim, don't really know who they are, but Chicago, if they get hot, it's, they're pretty much unbeatable. Yeah. I still do like San Jose in this division. Having said all that, if I had to pick a division winner in the Pacific, I'm still going to go with the Sharks. They do have two games in hand right now. I just tr- It's a trust thing. 
I trust their guys to perform, and the depth is, is slowly getting there. You know, last year, the, the way the season ended, it was a rough taste in their mouth, but Joe Thornton just doesn't age. He just keeps... He's starting to. Well, okay. Points-wise, he's starting to. He's starting to, but if you watch those games, he's still just slinging it out there, setting his teammates up. Martin Jones. Is Martin Jones the Martin Jones that took his team to the cup, or is he just a mediocre goalie that got hot one postseason? These are questions we have to answer, and... I just don't think the Pacific is that good. It's the worst division in hockey yet again. <laughs> That's my yeah, piece. It's typical. <laughs> it's just it's so bad. And then, you know, we gotta look at the wild card spots. But here here you go, Joe. The Calgary Flames are in wild card one, 24-20-3. The Kings are in wild card two, 22-19-4. That means the wild card two has a losing record. Has a losing record. That's where the state of the Western Conference is right now. Calgary is all offense fun to watch, but hard to trust. The Kings they need Jonathan Quick back. I think they're hanging on for dear and life. And they need Tyler Toffoli back. Yeah. Well, they're they missing go. their top scorer, and they're missing their goalie. When you it's try a, to go ring out a season with Peter Budaj, I mean, it's like... <laughs> it's actually pretty impressive that they're hanging on this way. Yeah. Because they know they're just trying to stay relevant until their big guns come back. Jeff Carter, I do want to put Best one season. out of You know, we mentioned this before. There's no more consistent goal scorer outside of Alex Ovechkin. It's like Ovechkin, Kane, I think Taves, although Taves is in danger, and Carter. The only guys that have 20 goals every year for the last 10 years. Something to think about. I mean, Carter just scores it. Just just puts the puck in the net. There will always be a job for a player like that. I wonder, man. Their cap is brutal. Is there a team praying to get more guys drafted by the Golden Knights <laughs> than uh, the Kings? They're, pr- they're really hoping Dustin Brown gets picked. They're just praying for it. Yeah. Please take our salary cap. Can you please just take all of our salary so we can make some moves? So I'll leave you with this, Joe, as we wrap up the Western Conference. Are there teams outside the playoff picture that you're looking for to say, let's see if they can make a move? Because the Kings are at 48 points, but it is a log jam. Even Vancouver only uh, tied for that point total. And don't say Arizona or Colorado because those teams are just complete trash. Hmm. It's a tough one. Nashville? Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. They did get P.K. Subban. That trade's got to work out a little bit. They have Phil Forsberg, young stud. I'm just curious. Ryan Johansson. Pekka A, talk about aging. He has just not looked like the Pekka that dominated the NHL for a while. But I still like this team. That's a good one. I don't, I'll do respect to the, the Vancouver brethren, but I don't believe them. It's a nice story. Dallas, nah, I, I, they're I no defense. It. Yeah, they don't play defense. I Winnipeg? watched them. How about Winnipeg? How about Winnipeg? I Patrick thought about Laine, Mark Schleffley is very good. They have good offense, but they're... I keep ringing on this, but their goaltending is horrendous. Hellebuck is just not good at all. Pavlik is no savior either. By the way, when did the Sabres play the Jets again? I'm really interested to see what happens in that <laughs> rematch game. Goodness. When Line got lit up, which I didn't think it was a dirty-ish hit, maybe a little early, but didn't really do much. But you know what happens when you take out the franchise, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be a nice game to watch too, but... How about the fact that we could combine the Coyotes and the Avalanche and <laughs> they would be still on the outside of the top three in the Metropolitan Division? That's crazy. <laughs> you got to feel bad for them, though. Hey, but Arizona's not in last place. No, they're not. <laughs> Colorado is just yeah. a 13 one They're so going to be sc- sellers. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Say bye to Duchesne, Colorado. Yeah. They'll, keep, they'll keep McKinnon. Duchesne's gone. Duchesne's gone. Could be gone. Could be gone. 
Pat, smartest guy in hockey is Patrick Watt getting out of there on time. If you're Nathan McKinnon, you're looking around and you're just saying, "Oh boy, help!" I mean, yeah. Tavares too. Yeah. They're, they're, they're yeah. texting each other. He's not as he's not Tavares, but yeah, he's definitely feeling that same. He's I'm younger, about to be so on an island right now. We'll see. Well, Joe Kasai, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. We get the All Star Game next week too out here in LA. Might yeah, wish I could go. <laughs> if it wasn't a million dollars, I'd dig it. Well, I would say if you go downtown. Which might be, I might be letting the listeners in on my strategy. <laughs> if you just go downtown about an hour before the skills competition of the game and just kind of see what's out there. You know, I know there's a couple ticket apps. We're not sponsored by any of them, so I'm not going to say it. But <laughs> there's a couple ticket apps that will see prices drastically drop as the start time approaches. Yeah. So it could be something to Check it right before it starts. Lock yeah. the ticket up. I want to see that skills competition. A little yeah. faster skater action. Who you got? Some shot. I don't know. Maybe haggling again? Yeah, he's, he's, he's tough to beat. The hardest shot, actually, might be my favorite, though. Yeah. Got to get Shea Weber Watch back Shea Weber out just there. smack a puck 120 miles an hour. We need Char to go. They, they need to do what the NBA does and just invite guys, even if they don't make the all-star team, just for the events. Because I want to see the showdown Weber and Char up. Like last year when, uh, what's-his-face, was in the all-star game? <laughs> MVP? Oh, yeah, John Scott. John yeah, Scott, yeah. We need some more John Scotts in the And then, the yeah, and then, we could, then we could vote, or the players could vote on their least favorite player in the league. Just, you know, like Andrew Shaw type or something. Yeah. You just have him stand in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> you got voted by your peers. You have to try to block this. You have to block the uh, Shea Weber slap shot. Yeah. Should be good. Yeah, I think Corey Perry might actually win that vote yeah. or something. But we'll see. But all right, Joe. Thanks again for joining the show. Big thanks to both Joe Casale and Tom Weisenbach for coming on today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. And thank you, all the listeners, for making this series so successful. 50 episodes in the can. It's been a great journey. It's only going to get better from here. I keep promising that. I like to think I'm delivering it, but I'm going to work hard to make sure that that is the case. It's been an eventful week in sports. The Tennis Australian Open, which I know firsthand, is in full effect with Novak Djokovic already losing in the first round. More upsets on the way. Just keep on watching tennis. And keep on watching sports because we have hockey, basketball, football conference, championship games, college basketball as well. It's a great time for sports. Maybe the best time of the year. It's debatable, but a lot of people think that. And I might be one of them. You can find the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect. It'll pop up there. Follow me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21, for sports and other takes. And that's going to do it for the shows this week. Next week, more sports to talk about. Recapping those conference championship games, checking in on the Australian Open, and checking in on other sports. Got a couple guests lined up that I know you're going to enjoy. I am Mitch Michaels. Thanks again for listening. This was the Money Mitch Effect. I'll see you next time.